anything about the draft. I mean, there is a lot of tension going on for these young players just coming out of college. In the draft rooms back maybe in Buffalo or Pittsburgh or New England or wherever the draft room is, there's a lot of tension. Because what they're doing is they're really evaluating all the talent that's on the board and they need to pick the best talent that's going to match their needs for a team. Uh, in the ready room at AT&T Stadium, they had a whole section blocked off just for most of the first round picks who were thinking that they were going to go in the first or second round. The players were there with their families waiting for that call to be picked to start their NFL career. You know, around the country in living rooms around the nation, families were gathered together, and maybe those late-round picks were there with their families, you know, getting together. Once again, tension involved. When am I going to be picked? Who's going to pick me? And the millions of fans around the nation and even the world you know, what's my team? Uh, you know, I think my team needs this and that. You know, there's tension involved in this NFL draft. You know, last year, the first 12 players that were selected uh, were awarded contracts that averaged $22 million. Wow. $22 million to play football. And that was an average. The highest one was over $30 million from last year. So there's a lot on the line, a lot of stress, a lot of tension for these first-round draft picks. So how many of you wish you were a first-round draft pick? I got about 22 million reasons why. I wish I was, a, no, I'm just kidding. But it's pretty lucrative, right? I'm sure that most of you, uh, however, have experienced uh, either in gym class or on the playground being selected to be on a team, right? Hey, we're going to play kickball today. Uh, Bob and Joe, you two guys are captains. Select your team. And, and everybody's sitting there waiting, you know, and you kind of evaluate the talent and, and say, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe some of you were picked in the first or second round to be on a dodgeball team or to be on a baseball team or whatever. And, and what a great feeling that is, being selected in the upper half. But how many of us were selected last or in the lower half? Yeah, that's not a great, that's not a great feeling when you were uh, selected last or near, near the bottom of, of that team. But I got some really great news for each one of us today. You don't have to worry about any of that. You don't have to worry about any of that selection in, on God's team because each one of us is God's first round draft pick. That's today. That's the theme of today's teaching is that you are God's first round draft pick. I want to go to Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah is, uh, is a great book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah was a prophet, and he wrote a book. And it's in the Old Testament, near the end of the Old Testament. So if you want to fire up your device and go there, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT. Hopefully everybody got notes. There are some notes available on the back. If you need notes, uh, we ran out of notes again this morning. i got to do a better job of printing out notes, I can tell you that, right? That's two weeks in a row we ran out of notes. So there are notes available for you if you want to... Uh, take notes today. You can also go on the app. The app has a place where you can fill in notes and email to yourself. I love technology. All right, but I digress. Let's go to Jeremiah. We're in chapter 1, verse 5. Jeremiah 1, 5 says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now, the Lord was speaking to Jeremiah and the Lord was instructing Jeremiah 
about some plans that he had for him to be a prophet to the nation. But when we read this, we can apply this verse to our own lives. Because God's saying the same thing to you and he's saying the same thing to me in 2018. He knew you before you were born. He knew me before I was born. And he has set us apart. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. Romans 8, 29 echoes this in the New Testament. Romans is a New Testament book. Romans 8, 29 says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Once again, the writer of Romans emphasizes the fact that God knew us and that he chose us to be like Jesus. Not to be Jesus, but to be in the image of Jesus. You know, when you become a Christian and you call Jesus your Lord, Savior, your boss of your life, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you now. Now you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is speaks to us and teaches us and shows us. And as we read the word, we become and take on the image of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So turn to your neighbor and say, God picked you. Good job. Excellent. And now you can just all look at me and say, God, God picked me. God picked me. <laughs> he did. He did. We are all God's first round draft picks. Now, in the NFL draft, every player is evaluated. They call it the combine. I don't know if you know anything about football. I know we have some non-sports people here. So I'm going to go slow. They have something called a combine, and that usually takes place in Indianapolis. And what they do is they run all of these players coming out of college through a battery of tests. They want to know what are their strengths. They want to know what are their weaknesses. Each team, the organization, obviously wants to win. Every team, all 32, that's what they want. They want to put a winning team on the field each and every week. They want to win the Super Bowl at the end of the year. In the same way, God has chosen you to be a winner. But here's what's different about God's selection process and the selection process that the NFL has at the combine. God doesn't choose you or he doesn't choose me based on our past performance. God chooses us based on his love for us. And that changes everything. That changes everything. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 says this. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. And now I love, I love the word chosen in this verse because if you look it up, it actually means picked out. God has picked you out. Isn't that amazing? God picked you out as a first-round draft choice to be on his team. You are God's first-round draft pick. But whenever I think about this, I think about Jesus and how he chose his team. So let's go ahead and, and go back. We've talked about this before, but let's go to Matthew and talk about it again. Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 18. Once again, I'm reading out of the NLT. 
One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing out a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, and he said, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So they left their nets at once, and they followed Jesus. A little further up on the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, and they were repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now notice that Jesus already had a game plan in place for his team. Much like the NFL teams, offensive and defensive coordinators, even before the season, they start developing with the players that they have, they develop a game plan. And Jesus had one developed here because Jesus said that he called these fishermen to be what? Fishers of people, right? He already had a game plan lined out for these brothers. And Jesus has the game plan lined out for you and for me today in 2018. We call it mission, being on mission, Jesus's mission connects mission. It's helping people reconnect to God. That's the mission here at Connect, helping people reconnect to God. Now, the team that Jesus was selecting, uh, you know, there were many more selections than the first 12. (laughs) We always talk about the 12 disciples. Uh, And the 12 and the others that came after, they were ordinary people, ordinary men and women, just like you and just like me. And some of them were kind of messed up, just like you and just like me. But Jesus called them anyway. And that's important for us to to recognize. He wasn't looking for perfect people. He wasn't looking for the perfect spiritual leaders or the government officials or the celebrities of the day. He was looking for real people, common folk, working people, people just like you and just like me. Now, the disciples, they, they were going along with Jesus, and they were being taught by Jesus day in and day out. Up to three years, Jesus had around approximately a three-year ministry. And they saw that, apprenticing with Jesus, learning from him. Just like the NFL players, once they get selected and put on a team, then they start going to training camps, and they start learning the process of the team that they're on. And then one day, as Jesus was apprenticing, mentoring this team that he was assembling, he said this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, we read this. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority. He gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and also to heal the sick. That's about one year later we read this. So he is apprenticing, mentoring his disciples for about a year. And then he sends them out. He first gives them power and he gives them authority. And then he sends them out to tell everybody about the kingdom of God. So 
For a year, they sat on the bench. For a year, they went and trained day in and day out. They were part of practices. They were in, in meetings, strategizing and talking and learning. And then it was game time. In Luke, we see that Jesus gives them power, authority, and sends them out. It's game time. Power and authority on the field, the mission field, is what Jesus sent them out for. Can you imagine how they must have felt? Can you imagine how, how they must have felt? If you were, and put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, any one of us. Okay, Joe, it's your turn. You've been sitting here, you've been doing it, now go. You're like, what? Uh, it's time, time to go. What do you mean go? Jesus, are you coming with me? All right, come on, let's, let's go do this together. I love it when you lead and then I just follow. It's great, <laughs> it's great. But no, he didn't. He said, now you go. I've given you power, I've given you authority. Now you go. You go and teach people. You go and heal the sick. I've shown you what to do. You can do it. And Jesus encouraged them. And we don't have this in our notes, but they went out a couple times and there is passages in the Bible that says they come back and they failed. <laughs> oh man, we were trying to do this and we didn't. And Jesus is like, that's okay. It's all right to make a mistake and not to be perfect. But let me, let me use this as a teaching moment and I'll teach you. And then guess what? You're gonna be sent right back out. So for each one of us in our lives, I don't know what your experience has been with Jesus. I don't know how long you've been walking with him. But for each one of us, it's different. We're at different places in our relationship with Jesus. Some of us are just starting out, and some of this is all really new information. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for quite a while, but there's always something new we can learn because of that little word called complacency. (laughs) It creeps into our lives. It's creeped into mine at different times. I raise my hand today and saying, yeah, I've been complacent, but I know what God has for me. He has a purpose like we read in Jeremiah and Romans. He's chosen me. He's chosen you. So wherever you're at today, if maybe you're in the game or maybe you've been in the game and now you're taking a breather being on the bench, we're all first-round draft picks. And what God's telling each one of us today is that there's a purpose and a plan for each one of your lives. All you have to do is listen. You're going to be nervous. You're probably going to be scared because he's going to ask you to do things that are a little outside of your comfort zone. I know that's been my experience, and I'm sure if I met with each one of you individually, that would be your experience as well, but he gives us what we need when we need it to get out and to go and be a part of on mission. I played baseball as a kid, played Little League, And then as I got older and got into high school, I played fast pitch softball. Now, I'm an East Coaster, all right? Or not Coaster, but I'm an Easterner. I'm from Buffalo, New York. That's Western New York, not Eastern New York. So I can't really be an East Coaster, but I'm close. And that's what we did. In high school, you could play on fast pitch softball teams. And that's what I did. And, And now normally growing up, I have to admit it, I was a little on the heavy side as a kid. I was... You remember the movie Goonies and Chunk? Remember that? Yeah, that was me. That was Bob. Little Bobby Fick was Chunk, okay? So um, I played first base, and I played right field. Now, I know we have some non-sports people, but when you're Chunk, that's what you play. You play first base or you play right field. That's it. But as I grew up, obviously I changed, 
And then I was able to, to practice and compete for center field. Man, that's the dream spot right there. You want to play center field. If you like playing the field, you want to play center field. And so I'd practiced for years and years and years. And finally, I earned a spot at center field. Talk about being nervous. Talk about not wanting to mess up. All those years playing first base and right field, now I finally got a shot at playing center field. And God blessed me. I ended up doing okay, and I played center field for three years in high school, so it was, it was great. But, man, I was nervous. I was scared. Not everyone has played sports. I understand that. So maybe you will identify with this. Driver's training. How many people took driver's ed growing up in high school? Quite a few of us, right? Almost all of us. For me, what you had to do is you had to sign up during the school year. It was an elective. And you had classroom training. You had lectures going on. And then you had the simulator. I don't know if you, I know I'm, I'm a, dating myself a little bit, but there was a simulator. There was like 20 of us in this classroom. And this thing, we were trying to drive a car in a simulator. And there would be people walking by. And, you know, things would jump out in front of you. It was crazy. But then after that, then you finally got a chance to drive the real car. Now you had, you know, they had a brake on the passenger side, right? The instructor had that brake on the passenger side so we didn't kill each other. But for a while you sat in the back seat and you learned and then maybe you'd be in the passenger seat and then all of a sudden then you'd be in the driver's seat. And that was kind of what happened in driver's training. Finally, that one day you got to shift from the passenger seat into the driver's seat and then you could drive. Well, that's what Jesus calls each, each one of us to in our lives. He calls us into this wonderful life that we call the Christian life. And we're going to talk about the blessings that come along that in the next series, blessed. But what he does is he cuts us loose just like he did the disciples in Luke. And you might not feel qualified. I know I remember the first time I got behind the wheel in driver's ed. I was scared. But I was able to do it. I just took my time and I did it. I remembered all the training that I had gone through and remembered all those things. And then, you know, the instructor was right there, so it wasn't too terribly difficult because if I got myself in a big mess, he'd be there to help me out. Jesus is there with us, too, in our lives as Christians. You know, he'll call you to do certain things. He'll empower you. He'll give you power and authority to do certain things. And then he'll, he'll enable you to do those things through learning. Jesus chose you so that you could move over from the passenger seat, just like in driver's ed. Jesus set you apart and made you part of his team so that each one of us could get in the game that we call the mission. That's why you are God's first-round draft pick. In Luke 10, Jesus sends out more than just the 12. In Luke 10, there's a story about sending 72 out again, two by two by two sending them out and ministering to those in their area, in their communities. He calls us to do the same thing through the power and the authority that Jesus gives each one of us. Power and authority. And and this is how it works. Just like I talked about in the NFL Combine, they're evaluated on different things. There was uh, one person this year that bench-pressed 225 42 times. They tried to see what kind of power and stamina these guys have. That's a lot of weight, and that's a lot of reps. 
And that actually was uh, a guy out of Stanford, Harrison Phillips, and he ended up getting selected by the Bills in one of the later rounds. But just because Phillips had the power, he doesn't have the authority yet because the Bills need to shape and mold him. And then when he's actually on the field during the game, he has power, and now he has the authority that the Bills have given him to do his position the very best that he can. And Jesus selected you, and Jesus selected me. Before we were even born, Jeremiah 1.5 says, he gives you power and he gives you authority to do the things that he did while he was here on earth. He actually, in John chapter 14, we read this, John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. So Jesus calls us and empowers us to do things that he did and even greater works than he did. That just blows my mind. That blows my mind. With Jesus' power and authority, you can't fail. Have you ever thought about that? With Jesus' power and with Jesus' authority, you can't fail. We might have a setback or two because we get in our own way, but we can't fail. We are on mission for Jesus, and he's going to continue to call us to be on mission for him. You know, years ago, we were in a men's group, and I just had this thought one day. And I just blurted it out. I said, hey, you know what? You are indestructible as long as you serve Jesus. And that's really true. We are. We're indestructible as we serve Jesus. Because you know what? Even if we do die, then we, we are done with the job that God has assigned for us. Until then, we are indestructible. Because Jesus gives us power. Jesus gives us authority to do his mission here on earth. So a lot of times, I just made mention, we get in our own way. We need to get out of the way and let Jesus do what he wants to do in and through us. I recently read an article online by a a pastor, Doug uh, Morell. And and in that message, he made a, a couple of points. He said, some disciples never seem to go beyond hearing. They are feeders, but never farmers. They come to church for a meal, but not a mission. They love learning. They love to be fed, but they never make the transition from learner to doer. Wow. That's that's some tough statements that, that he was talking to his people about. And I think each one of us maybe could look in the mirror and maybe take some of that to heart. But you know what? Here at Connect Church, that isn't true for most of the people here at Connect Church. And I don't know, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but we are one church in two locations. Bozeman has a campus and we have a campus here in Great Falls. And if you look at the volunteer people that we have at both campuses, it's amazing. We have over 35 people here in Great Falls who have moved over from the passenger seat and have volunteered and been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do Jesus' work. But to be realistic and to be totally transparent today, 
Our church is growing since we moved into this new facility. We've had a lot of visitors come since January. And so the good news is that there's always room for you on Connect's team. There's always room for you on Connect's team. As we grow and as things change, we have spots on our roster for you. And we'd love for you to join us on the mission. You know, I really think Jesus wants each one of us to exercise the power and authority that he has given us. Once again, we need to remember that we are all God's first round draft choices. And so the questions, there's a couple questions that I have for each one of us today. And this isn't a guilt thing, this is a good thing. But you bet on the bench, maybe, are you ready to get into the game? You know, I, there's two places to go from the bench. I don't know if you know much about sports, but the bench is on the sidelines, all right? So if you go in front of the bench, you go on the field of play. If you go behind the bench, you end up being in the stands. That's where all the fans sit. They, they haven't been asked to even be on the bench, and you can't get on the field unless you're on the bench. And so that's sports. But in God's team, Being on mission, if you're a Christian here today, God has already called you, and you're already on the bench. So the next decision that each one of us needs to make in our lives is, hey, are we going to be on field, or are we going to jump in the stands? God's calling each one of us to be on the field today. And I know that uh, many people here, or several are new, and so what I want to do now is just transition to show you a little bit about the structure of Connect church. We have some diagrams up here and some things that were produced to show us who we are. We are one church in two locations, Bozeman and Great Falls. BZN is the, is the airport uh, in Bozeman, and GTF is the airport here in Great Falls. And, so, and then behind me, we are one church in two locations. So I want to tell you how we're structured. We're structured somewhat like Uh, a football team is because football has different teams have offense defense special teams coaching staff and that we we have elders would be part of our coaching staff and I think we have a graphic that shows the elders here too so the elders are bridge the gap between Bozeman and Great Falls oh yeah I had to make mention the mothership you like that that's cool I like that all right so elders, they, they talk about mission. They keep us on mission. They make sure that the vision is being talked about, and uh, they, they work on the budget. And, and that's kind of, they bridge the gap between Great Falls and, and Bozeman. And, and the elders, and you might not know some of these people because some of them are down in Bozeman, but Gene and I were part of the elder board. Jason Bennett was here a few weeks back, a month or so ago, and he had that huge beard. I don't know if you remember. They had that cool beard, right? So Jason's an elder. Pastor Russ, who comes up here periodically, is an elder. And then there's a couple more. Dan, Dan Boss is our treasurer. Tina Riojas, Tino Riojas is part of, of, the, of the team. And then also Sarah Zocker is our uh, secretary. And so that, those are who the elders are. So they're kind of part of the coaching staff. And then each campus is divided into teams that, that we call fractals. I don't know if you've ever heard that name fractal before. A fern, if you look at a fern, it looks like a fractal. Oh, hey, there's all of us. We're all pictures there. Cool. Cool. All right, so if you look at a fern, a fern has fractals on it. And that's how we're divided up. Just like a fern, we, we're divided up into fractals. You see, see those fractals? 
and they're all part of the fern, but each one is, is different sets of teams that make up the whole plant. And that's kind of what happens with us here, too. We have Anna Rostek, who's in charge of our connection groups. And uh, she's been up here and talked before. Uh, we talked about connection groups. There's a flyer on the back table for our connection groups for May, if you want to get involved. Jean talked about them. Uh, but Anna Rostek is, is the, the team lead for that. And then we have uh, a mission team, and Will Garten is leading that. He leads that alongside of the youth, so he's doing kind of two things at once, but, but he's the one that's kind of doing that. Um, and then there's also kids. Melissa Garten is in charge of our kids, and uh, she just recently to- took over for that, and that's great. Uh, there is a handout that I'm going to have you guys grab. Now, to my right, your left, there's little baskets. Now, don't, don't, don't pass the basket quite yet. We're going to do that later. But there's handouts in that basket that have these things defined and, and, and sorted out. So if you need any more, Gene has a bunch in the back. Gene, if you want to come forward. If you need a handout, um, go ahead and pass those along. And this just kind of gives you a snapshot as to um, how we're developed in, in, in the different areas and the different fractals here at Connect. All right, cool. All right, does everybody have one? Does somebody need one? Anybody, need, if you need one, raise your hand. Okay, Gene's coming. Awesome. Cool. So that's a little bit about the structure of Connect. I'm going to come back to some more structure here in a second. But I want you guys to see a video um, of a couple kids from, uh, from down in Bozeman campus. This, this video I think you'll think is really cool. Let's go ahead and uh, hit the lights and, and roll that video. Around him, so he couldn't see, so other people had to help him. 
he had a mask around him so he couldn't see? Yeah, so he was still born and then um, some Denarius or whatever his name is touched him and the mask just fell off and then he was not blind anymore. Was that, was it Ananias? No. Was it Ananias? No, that wasn't That's the wrong one. So, Evie, then, then, who, how did his name get changed? Because, um, he was a meaty cake. That's why his name was Saul. And he was a nice guy then. And so that's why he was called Paul. Wow. And who called him Paul? Who decided that his name would be Paul? Oh, that's cute. There's a couple reasons why I wanted to show that video today. The first thing is that I thought it was so cute that she said he was a meanie, meanie cake and his name was Saul, but then he was a nice guy and his name was Paul. I thought that was kind of cute. But this shows you that the little, little kids are learning about Jesus, right? Learning about the Bible. That was a, a few weeks back, and we use the same curriculum here in Great Falls as they do in Bozeman. But that is planting little seeds into little kids. Isn't that awesome? Working with kids. And, and that, man, that's just special. So I show you that to encourage you guys that, man, things are happening here at Connect, down in Bozeman and here in Great Falls. And Melissa Garten is doing a great job with our kids as well here in Great Falls. Like I made mention, you know, the, uh, Will Garten does the youth uh, along with a couple other leaders as well. Um, there was a, a couple other ways that were broken up. Campus operations, my wife heads that up. Uh, I work with weekend services, and part of that is worship arts, and Christy Hale is in charge of our, our worship arts. And so what we're doing here today is we're showing you out of the Bible that God has chosen you to be a first-round draft pick. He ch chooses each one of us. And then there's a time for learning, time for understanding, and then there's a time for getting in the game. And we've done a great job here, like I made mention, at the campus here in Great Falls in Bozeman with, with leaders uh, and, and volunteers jumping in and just, just helping out in all the different areas. But I know we have needs right now today. In the kids' area, there's needs. I know in the tech area in the back, there's needs. And so today is, is an encouragement. Jesus had a vision he had a vision of more fishes, more fishermen, and more boats. And we need each one of us to be on the team so that we can be fishers of people. So we can see more fish come in, more fishermen be developed and apprenticed, and then more boats going out and being on mission for Jesus. So that's that's what today was all about. Let's go ahead and bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much that you call us to be first-round draft picks on your team. And God, you show us through your word that you develop teams. You develop us once we say yes to your invitation, once we say yes to be in that first-round draft choice. And you are faithful to teach us. You are faithful to have us go the next step as we surrender our lives to you. 
And so as we're, we're bowed in his presence and we're thinking about our relationship with you, God. Maybe some of us have, have been on your team for, for quite a while and we just, we just haven't had an opportunity to get in the game. And, and today now we're thinking, wow, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. God, I know you've called me and I've accepted your, your gift of salvation, but I, I know there's more out there for me. And so I want you to show me. Show me where I can fit in. Show me where I can volunteer and, and be a part of a team and be a part of something bigger than, than just myself. And If that's you, I, I pray along with you today. Because I know I, I was there years and years ago when I joined Jesus' team. I knew that God had set me apart for, for something different, a different purpose in my life than what I had known until that time. And so I, I pray with you. God, I pray for those that right now are, are thinking about that. I pray that you would encourage them, show them where they fit in, show them how to get involved and, and be a part of your team, God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.